You're listening to the Young Adult Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, challenge you, and lead you closer to Jesus. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy. Yeah, I'm excited to be here with you guys tonight for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, this month is a big month. Like Brandon was saying, we got a lot going on, which I'm really thrilled about. Uh, we got a worship night, we got a, a city serve event happening, and then we also got a new series that's going on this month. And so we today, uh, starting tonight, we are going to be going into the book of Habakkuk. And so if you guys want, you can turn to that book there. Now, as always, I kind of like to give the context of what the book is about before we dive into it, just so that everyone is on the same page about what it is, what's going on, and kind of the context, right? So the book of Habakkuk takes place in southern Judea, where there was a lot of injustice and sin running rampant throughout this region. And Habakkuk was a prophet of God, but lived in the time under King Josiah when there was revival going on. So he had experienced a time when there was this great revival, things were going amazing, and all this good stuff was happening, but now, in the the setting that's taking place in Habakkuk, uh, he's seeing that there's a lot of things that are bad that's going on, a lot of sin and a lot of injustice that's occurring. Now, what I find interesting is that usually when there's prophets appearing in the Bible, they usually bring a word from God to the people. And usually that word is either from, like, judgment or or sometimes, like, blessings, but usually judgment. Like, hey, you guys got to get your stuff together, right? But with Habakkuk, we actually get to have this inside look as to what it was like for him to talk to God and for him to have these complaints uh, against him. And, And we get to see how God reacts to this, which is, I think, really, really cool. Now, tonight, I hope that with this background of being explained... I hope that you can understand the historical dynamics of what Habakkuk was experiencing and maybe his thoughts when he was questioning God. But I also want to acknowledge that the questions that were asked and the answers that were given can also be translated into our lives today. And so I hope that you guys are able to identify with that tonight. There's two ideas that I want us to consider when we're reading the first chapter. One, does God care about the evil that people do? And two, can we trust his process? All right, let's get into it. Habakkuk chapter one, starting in verse two. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Now let's stop. I think the questions that Habakkuk is raising are good questions. Why does God make us look at injustice? Why does it seem as though he tolerates wrongdoing? Now, now these are really hard and deep questions to unravel, especially if you're going through something where you're questioning God too. Like, hey, why God are you allowing this to happen? Now, those answers are best found when it's more in a one-on-one conversation and not from a a sermon type, right? But I want to address that, hey, this book addresses that. The book kind of gives an answer for that. Now, I I also don't want to overlook the kind of evil that's going on either, right? It's easy to read through the Bible and kind of see things and be like, oh, man, like, yeah, there's evil, all this other stuff, yada, 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 and then keep moving on. 
But I think what's important to realize is, like, there's, like, actual evil. Like, let's think about that for a moment. Like, it doesn't specify except that there's violence and injustice going on, meaning that there's things that are happening that are going unpunished and are, are rampant. And so think about what that might be. That could be robbery. That could be people being murdered. That could be people ripping others off and stealing or or getting away with it. And in Habakkuk's frustration, we see him giving out the statement, therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. I don't know about you, but in times of my frustration, I've often, I've said some things that are just not true. But in my frustration, I've said those things to God. But what I love about God is that he can take he can take our honesty. He can take our feelings. He, he can look at us and, and still be in the right and, and tell us, hey, look, th- there's something else there that you're not seeing. And we get to see that. When I um, first moved out, I, I moved out at 17 and I moved to Florida. My family was in Missouri. And uh, I, I moved in with this guy who I'd only met once on a spring break trip previously who owned his own house. <laughs> and before I was going down there, I asked, hey, could I, uh, could I room with you, you know? And uh, he's like, yeah, man, no problem. And so it was him, and, and he owned the house, but he had a couple other roommates with him. And um, I get down there, and I don't, I don't know anybody, you know? I'm expecting into, to arrive into this place that I, I had lived previously, but I had expected, like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get in contact with some of my old friends, things like that. And no, none of that happened. And, and so I had this idea in my mind about how amazing Florida was, how awesome my community was that I had. And so I was moving down there, and I get there, and I realized, oh, no, it's not the same. And, and the, this time that I was going through, too, it didn't help because, man, I was alone. I was still trying to figure things out on my own. Um, and there's this term that, uh, I don't know, some religious people in history have coined, uh, the dark night of the soul. And it's this event that I felt had taken place in my life where I just didn't hear from God. And, and it was this really struggling point where I, I felt like, man, like I had this really strong relationship with, God, with you, God. Where are you? But it was during that time that I couldn't depend on anything else I couldn't depend on my feelings. I couldn't depend on even my knowledge. I couldn't depend on others to be there for me. I just had to rely on God being who he is and me having to submit to solely that. Now, because of it, I was able to come through it even stronger. And I feel God again. I hear him again. And it's amazing to be on the other side of that. But going through it sucks, you know? And what I think is really cool about this situation in Habakkuk is that it's relatable. He's in this situation where he sees, man, this isn't how it once was. God, where are you? Now, when it seems as though God and the good things that he brings to this world are absent from it, there's two things that I want to note. One, that we shouldn't get mad at God for the fault of man. Have you ever gotten mad at God for, for something that man had done? I have. I'm like, God, why the heck did this guy cut me off? Well, God's not driving that car. Like, <laughs> that's not him. But man, it, it's so easy to just get frustrated at God for those things. And two, it should be a further reminder not to look to man as an everlasting light or hope, but only to God. 
What I love about Habakkuk is that there's a sort of angst with God, not because he's even blaming God for those things, but let's go back to what he said. See, he was saying all these things because he wants God to do something. Do you not care? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? And and so what I love is that Habakkuk isn't just this random person who has no clue about who God is, but instead he was a prophet who was close to God. A person who is close to God is a person who is expectant of God. And if a person who is close to God is expectant of God, because he or she knows God, they know God is at work. And why? Well, because one, they've seen God work in their own lives enough to be like, okay, God, you do do things. You've changed my heart. You've changed my life. But also, too, they read their Bible. And and I want to emphasize this. They can know that God is trustworthy and good, and they can continue to expect that he will remain the same because that's what the word has proven time and time again. So to answer our first question, does God care about the evil people or care about the evil that people do? Yes. And our response to us knowing this should be to expect God to do something about it. Church, are we expecting God to do something? In your own lives and in our own world today, with things that are so chaotic and crazy, are we expecting God to do something? Or or are we afraid to? Are we afraid to let him in and to to ask those questions to God? Or do do we just kind of keep them at a distance? Romans 12, uh, verse 11 through 12 says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spirit fervor. Fearing the Lord, serving the Lord. Verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Paul is saying these things are the key ingredients to getting through tough times that you may go through. Now, there's another thing that I kind of want to address in American culture, and I think it's, I think it's uh, important to address for two reasons. The thing that I want to address is that there's almost this idea that we can manifest things. Have you guys ever heard of that before? Like, hey, I just manifest that. Right? Anybody, just me? Okay, a couple of us. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like you, you've heard that term before. Like, oh, man, I'm, I manifested this thing to happen. Well, what's kind of weird is that we almost have that in Christian culture too nowadays. I, I don't know if about you, but I've, I've heard that in Christian circles where people be like, oh, man, I claim it, and I, and I, I, I manifest it. Like, I, I know it, that, that God is going to do this specific thing. And I think, wow, you know that. Oh, you know something I don't. Wow, what book are you reading from? Like, dang, that's okay. But I, I think it's important to recognize that is not the God that we serve. Habakkuk is going to soon realize that, hey, God is working and doing things, but maybe not in the way that you would expect or even want what's hard for us to swallow is that God is the one in control, not us. I I heard this uh, phrase once concerning the how fast God works, too. And I want to give it to you guys because I think it's pretty cool. I heard heard someone once say, our God isn't a hot pocket God. No, he doesn't use no microwaves. He is a slow cooker. He's got that crock pot on simmer, and he is letting things boil and and cook up a little bit. And and what's frustrating about that is we want things to happen like this, right? 
And our God isn't just that way. He, he's not. But what he does promise is that things that will happen are going to be amazing and more, way better than you could ever even imagine. I don't know what's going on out there. I, th- I thought that was the bathroom at first, and I wasn't going to say anything, but I don't, I don't think it is. Thank you. Construction. Yeah, thank you. Verse 5. God says this. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Stop. God is telling us, wait and be amazed. What is it that you are waiting for? In your own life, what is it that you're waiting for? What is it that you're hoping will happen? Are you hoping? Have you given up? I know for me recently, I've been going through something where I'm in between a crossroads of sorts. And I actually, I wasn't even going to say this because, you know, nothing's for sure. But I'm at a crossroads of of what's going to happen, and I don't know what the heck my future is going to hold. And I've been waiting on God because I thought, man, I was going to have answers. I should have had answers like four months ago, and I don't. And if I'm being honest, I was struggling last week, last week on Wednesday specifically. And man, I, I found myself pleading with God, God, what is going on? Please give me a glimpse of just something. And can I tell you something? I still don't know. But the amazing thing about it is God has given me scripture and and things to hold on to that's outside of myself. He's given me himself to hold on to, something that, that remains steadfast and firm. That's him. God goes on to say this, this crazy thing that's going on. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people. Wait a minute. So Habakkuk wanted God to do something, and he's saying, God, why is the people of Israel going unpunished? And then God's like, yeah, I'm going to raise up these crazy, barbaric people, the Babylonians. And he's like, hold up, wait a minute, let's, let's keep reading. He says, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. And by building up earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. What, what does that mean? God, what are you doing? Why, why did you just give this whole list of this description of people? What God's saying is this. He answers Habakkuk. He tells them, there will be judgment, and those that are causing harm will stand trial by the most most ruthless of people. And and what's crazy to me is that Habakkuk's kind of asking God, hey, can you handle this people Israel? Can Can you handle this people that's doing wicked and evil things? And God's saying, you know what? The people that you would least expect to be handled, yeah, I'm gonna use those people to handle Israel. Did you catch that? Something crazy is going on. What I love about God, too, is the way that he humbles people 
within Scripture, just to show how mighty he is, and just because he is capable of doing so. And and he does it because it's a reminder to us of how small and incomprehensible God is. Like, we, we are smaller than him. We are so finite in our being, and he is infinite. So check this out. In Job chapter 40, God talks about this beast. Job was questioning God, just like Habakkuk. And Job was saying, God, why are you doing this? All this injustice, all this stuff, right? And he was blaming God for it. And you know what God said to him? One of the things that he had mentioned was, look at behemoth, which I made along you. Verse 16, what strength it has in its loins, what power in the muscles of its belly. Its tail sways like a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are close-knit. It basically goes on to talk about all the crazy uh, functions of it, of how massive this beast is. And then he finally says, can you tame it? Can you even pierce through its nostril? No. And God's like, yeah, that's my animal. Like, I, I can control that. Can you? And then he goes on to talk about, uh, how do you say it, babe? Le- Levithian? Levithian? I do, I, thank you, Leviathan. Yeah, thank you. I always, I cannot say that word. I've read that book so many times, I can't say it. Uh, Leviathan. And uh, God goes on to talk about this other crazy beast, like, hey, can you control this? No. So who are you to question my ways? So who are you to say that I can't control these other people? What I love about God, bringing it back around to Habakkuk's first concern, God, why do you allow these things to happen? Why do you allow evil to continue? God's saying he won't. He, he doesn't. He allows people to have dignity to choose what they want to do, but there will be a time when judgment will come. There will be a time when it will cease and it will end. And sometimes I can get so focused on the here and now that I forget what is to come. And as a Christian, more than anybody else on the face of the planet, we should be the ones that are the most hopeful because of the promises that God has fulfilled because of what he had made. He had said that he will do things, and he did them. And so what are we doing with our own problems, with our own conflicts in our own lives? Are we expecting that God will do something about them, or are we just as hopeless and ignorant as the rest of the world who acts as though they don't have a God? Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I hope that you were able to gain a little bit of insight tonight, some hope, some clarification, even a reminder of how amazing and big our God is. This, the rest of the series is going to go on to talk about some other complaints that, that Habakkuk has, even with God's solution to the problems. Habakkuk, just like me, is going to go on and say, God, okay, well, if you're going to do this, then how are you going to do this? Then how are you going to do this and this and this? And, and I love it because God includes that in the Bible and he says, hey, ask me. It's, that's okay. Let's, let's wrestle through it. Let's deal with it. But have hope in what I'm going to do. Can we hope in God? Amen. Amen? Awesome. All right. Let's pray out. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word.
We thank you so much that this is a series that we can dive into and explore a little bit more about what your heart is for those who serve you. That, God, we can have a hope for what the world will be because you care about the people in it, God. Not just in this room, but in every room, God. And, and I thank you that you are continually working in our lives, too. Jesus, I pray that we would be a people expectant. A people expectant of what you are going to do. Not what we think you should do. Not what we would want you to do, God. But that you would be somebody who, who would bring king in our lives. And that we'd be expecting you to be good and to do good. Because you are those things. Because you are good. We thank you, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name.